0: How do you know someone? How do you really get to know who they are? If you want to know me, what would you do? You could ask some people about me, right? And they would tell you some of their details and some of their perceptions about me. But would you know me? You could do a Google or background search on me. And you might be able to find some interesting details and uh, information. Like, something, like, I'm a big YouTube fan, and uh, I listen secretly to Neil Diamond, right? right? But would you know me? I mean, you could ask me. You could say, Tracy, who are you? And I can give you some incredible details. I mean, some things I wouldn't have to say, right? You know, handsome, right? This incredibly brilliant Right, A sense of humor that is inappropriate that I have to suppress in front of you? But would you know me? In psychology, they have this tool called the Jahari window model. Uh, and so the, the, it's just a great, great tool just to understand this knowledge of self and how other views do, right? And so uh, in the, this open area, which everyone knows, yourself knows and everyone else knows, right? So it's known to others. Selfless. everyone knows this open area about you, and then there 's this hidden area it 's stuff that you know that you don 't share about with other people, so only you know and you don't share that's like that 's kind of a hidden area and so one of the goals really as self awareness is to become more aware of yourself and then also learn to, to share more of yourself to people to kind of change these quadrants and sizes and so make that open area more open uh, and so right then, but then there's this blind area where there's others. People know about you that you don't know about yourself. And then there's this unknown area where you don't know and others don't know. But here's the incredible thing. God knows all these things about you. Right? He talks this about to Nathaniel. I know all these things. I know everything about you, Nathaniel. All those ways would be ways to know me. You could ask me, you can ask people, you could do searches. But the best way to know me would not be how I define myself or what others would tell you about myself. The best way to know me is come and see. Come and live life with me. Come and abide with me. You will then know if all those outside descriptions are true. If that is the reality in which I live. I could tell you that I'm kind and patient, but you would need to see that in action to know if it was true. To know me. So how do you know Jesus? How do you know Jesus? This is the first question that the disciples ask Jesus. Who are you? From John 138, Jesus turned and saw them falling and said to them, and who he saw falling was Andrew and John. I'm not going to go into detail how I know it was Andrew and John, but it's right there in the text. It's pretty clear that it was Andrew and the John who wrote this gospel. They were following Jesus, and Jesus turns around and says, what are you seeking? What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Jesus really is saying, when he says, what are you seeking? He really wants, what do you want to know, Andrew and John? What do you want to know? What's on your mind? He's also asking him, what do you want in life? I mean, I know you're, you're following me for a certain reason. What do you want in life? He wants to know what is their cause. What, what, is, what is drawing them to him? Do they, are they seeking security? Are they seeking comfort? What are they looking for in this world? And what do they think Jesus can provide For them, in reality, Jesus is beginning a conversation. He's beginning a relationship with Andrew and John. He's creating intimacy. So I want to know what's on your mind. I want to know why you're seeking me, and what do you think I can provide you. And they answer him, Rabbi, where are you staying? Uh, Literally, this is literally what it's trying to. This is this is an idiom in this culture. Where are you staying? They want to know, where do you abide, and where do you remain? So that, that staying is the same word as abide and remain. Where do you abide and remain? And so idiomatically, this is what it, this is when that culture what it would mean. Who are you, Jesus? Who are you? Uh, last night I watched on Netflix a uh, documentary about the song "Losing My Religion" from REM. Right, it's on Netflix, kind of interesting, half-hour little thing about losing my religion. Now, here's the thing I didn't know about that song, because I'm not from the South, right? Losing my religion or having your, lose your religion is an idiom. And an idiom means that you're desperate or angry or fed up, and so you lose your religion. Like, oh, that song makes a lot more sense now. And so and sometimes we hear these things. There's idioms in our culture and in our and in the Bible that we have to understand. And so, where do you abide, or where do you remain, or where are you staying? Is really asking Jesus, who are you? Tell us. We want to know. Where do you come from? Can we know you? And here's the thing. And what you see in this passage, everyone immediately thinks they know who Jesus is. Because they identify him. You look in scriptures, like when someone encounters Jesus, they immediately identify him or put some kind of identification on Jesus. And they assign to him an understanding and purpose that they think and they understand. You can just look in this passage, right? John the Baptist calls him Lamb of God. Now that's a totally new term in scripture. I mean, the theme of lamb is throughout scripture, but the Lamb of God, that title, is just, that's John made that up, John the Baptist. Jesus, you're the Lamb of God. And Jesus is like, all right. Okay, all right, John. Andrew and John call him Rabbi, which it says here, which means teacher, which is yes, that's what it means. That's what you address teacher, but literally means great one. It's a it's really the most incredibly polite way to address someone. Oh, great one. Teacher. And So that's what Andrew and John identify him. Andrew tells Peter, look at I found the Messiah. The Christ, the anointed one, the Savior. I found him, Andrew. Philip tells Nathanael, look at, I found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. I found the one that the scriptures talk about. Nathanael tells Jesus, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. Now the fascinating thing is those all statements are true identifiers. Except they have different meanings behind them. And then it takes a while for them to actually understand what they mean. Jesus has to actually spend time with them to teach them what those titles mean. All of those are true, presupposing to Jesus. Andrew and John asked Jesus, who are you? How do we know who Jesus is? How do we know who Jesus is? the one who John told us in the prologue is the objective truth, begins to reveal himself and how we will know who he is. And this is how he answers it in on one thirty-nine. He said to them, come and you will see. He actually doesn't tell them who he is, does he? He just says, come and you will see. So they came And saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day. For it was about the 10th hour. Four o'clock. Meaning they came. And they stayed with him. They had dinner with him. And they stayed overnight where he was staying. They began a relationship with Jesus. A very intimate relationship with Jesus. Jesus says come and follow me. Spend time with me. Then you'll know who I am. Then you'll know my purpose. Then you know where I abide, and then you'll know where I have come from, and where I will go. Come and live life with me. Come and eat with me. Come and learn, and then you will know who I am. I mean, this is actually very traditional rabbinic teaching. All right, if you were to learn under a rabbi, you didn't just come and learn under a rabbi or a teacher, and just, hey, tell me a bunch of propositional truths that I need to know. They would. But they would also. Our rabbi say. Hey listen. You can know what I know. And you can do what I do. I want you to follow me. And all my behaviors. And all my thoughts. And all my actions. I want you to learn everything about me. So that you become. Follow my footsteps. Not just in thought. But in actions. And that's what Jesus does with his disciples. Come. And you will see. He doesn't just start listening. Alright. Here's all the things you need to know. He says no. Come spend some time with me, and then you'll know who I am. You want to know you want to know who Jesus is? Spend time with him. Walk with him. The disciples spend the next three years, day and night with Jesus, and it takes them that long, and it takes the cross and the resurrection for them. Finally, to understand, oh, that's who you are. That's what you meant. This is why you live that way. All those titles, they begin to understand, but they don't understand them fully until they live with Jesus. And it takes time. Only then does he flesh out who he is. is. This is a fundamental truth of knowing someone. I can hear someone tell something about Jesus. I can speak to someone. I can tell you who Jesus is. But here's the thing. You actually need to experience it. You need to walk with him. You need to be with him. You just can't sit, hey, I'm going to go to a seminar and find out who Jesus is. Like, yeah, I know. Him. You've got to live life with him. Or better yet, he's got to live life with you. Then you'll really know who Jesus is. It's not just a list of of these facts that I can give you about Jesus. This is who he is. Let me give you some theological doctrines and uh, propositions about who he is. And then you'll know who he is. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. We need to know those things. But you need to walk with him. You need to come and see. And that's what Jesus says. Come and remain. Come and remain and abide. Stay with me, and you will know who I am. Jesus doesn't tell us who he is. He teaches them through his actions and the way he lives. Isaiah sixty-six eighteen. 18. God says this to Isaiah, for I know the works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues. I just want you to think, God says, I know their works, and I know their thoughts. I know who they are. And so it's the actions and thoughts that he had... It's like, I know who you are. You may be trying to hide it from other people. But God says, I know. And then he says, and they shall come and they shall see my glory. Where do we see God's glory? We see it in his actions. We see it ultimately at the cross. I mean, you want, you want to know God's glory? You don't just hear God say, I'm glorious. There's, there's a reaction to, there's an action to God. they like, yes, I will see my God. You will see his glorious actions, and you will know that he is God. It goes on in John 1, 50 through 51. Jesus' responds to Nathaniel, and really it says response to Nathaniel, but to all the disciples. He's addressing all the disciples that are gathered in the moment, right? Not all 12 are gathered yet, but he's gathering all those who are following him right now. Jesus answered him. Because I said to you, Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? I'm just kind of like, Nathaniel, that's crazy. (laughs) You believe because I said I saw you under the fig tree before Andrew called you? And he said, you will see greater things than this, Nathaniel. You will see it. You will see greater actions than this. And he said to him, truly, truly, this is that word, amen. I say to you, you will see heaven open up. And the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. First of all, do you see how Jesus identifies himself? They've given him all these great titles. And he says, I'm the Son of Man. Now, there's an incredible title. It goes back to Daniel. It's talking about divine kingship. right? But, and they would have had some idea what that meant. right? But Jesus, once again, has to teach them what it meant. But what else does he say? What else is he alluding to in this moment? What else is Jesus referencing? He says, come and you see these great titles and I will help you understand greater things than all these titles that you have shown me. I will show you. And what does he reference? He references Jacob's ladder. We go all the way back to Genesis. And they would have understood this. Their great father, Jacob. In Genesis 28 and 12, God puts him to sleep and gives him a vision. And he dreamed, Jacob dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and ascending on this ladder. And then in verse 17, and, Jacob, and he was, Jacob was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! There is none other, this is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now when you hear that, and the story of Jacob, and you just read that, you go, "Oh, that's a pretty amazing response." I'm not sure what Jacob is referring to, but do you understand now that what is referring to that Jesus alludes to? He said, "You will see greater things than this. You're going to see this Jacob's ladder, what Jacob dreamed about, what he had a vision about. You're going to see it." The greater things, the gate of heaven, the culmination of the disciples' journey and abiding with Jesus is where? It's at the cross. It's at the cross. This is where they learn who he is. This is where they learn his purpose. This is where he learned where he is from. And this is where they learn where he's going. The cross is the ladder to heaven, the cross is the gate to heaven. And Jesus is the gatekeeper. There is no other way to heaven. This is the gospel. This is the grace of his purpose is the cross. You will see greater things than this. You will see the cross. You will see heaven open up. You will see angels going back and forth. And you will now have access to God. I mean, that just blow you away. That Jesus just alludes to It's something we can just look right past, but he alludes to right there at the very beginning of who he is. They don't understand it at that moment. He tells them who he is. They have no idea. They have to walk with him to begin to learn it. And its culmination is the cross. If you want to know Jesus, come and see. Come and walk with him. Come and see what he talks about. Come and see how he treats people. Come and see what his priority is. Come and see how he lives. Come and see what he lives for. Come to the cross. Come to see what God has done. Come and see what love has won. Come and see what love is and who love is. Come to the cross. Come and see Jesus. Spend some time. Spend your life with Jesus don't just dismiss Jesus I'm actually come to him intellectually open and honest and don't just say hey who are you come and follow him follow him come and learn about him come to see who is this person how does he live how does that match up with what he's who he says he is simple, right? Come and follow Jesus. You want to know Jesus? Come and follow him. So how do we bring people to Jesus then? All right, we know that's our mission. We know that's what he calls us to do, right? The word evangelize is to bring people the good news. How do we bring people to Jesus? How do we evangelize? How do we show? How do we tell people who Jesus is if we can't just list a bunch of propositional truths? If we can't just say, which we, we should, we just can't, it's not all we should do. How do we do it? Uh, the first thing is, you and I are introducers. That's what you need to understand. You are an introducer. We introduce people to Jesus. We don't bring people to Jesus by giving them a list of essentials of faith that said, this is what you need to believe in. And then you, then you know. Then you're in. You got it. I believe in propositional doctrines and absolute truth. I believe in those things. But I know if I just say, hey, this is who Jesus is, there you go, you're all set. It's not the way it works. No one comes to Jesus like, wow, that's pretty rational, that's pretty logical. No one comes to Jesus with those things, right? We don't bring people by having them make a commitment and having altar calls and force them. Like, man, I believe in those things. I believe people need to profess their faith in Jesus Christ. But just having someone come up and profess doesn't mean they know Jesus. It doesn't mean they're following him. Anyone can utter those words. I don't know if they believe it in their discipleship being a student of Jesus is a journey it's a journey that takes time that you walk with him evangelism is is pre-discipleship that's how he described evangelism right I'm going to introduce people to Jesus Jesus and we're going to say hey I want you to just come and see who he is Did you notice that there's a bunch of introducers in this passage there's a bunch of introducers. John the Baptist introduces Andrew and John to Jesus. He says, hey, he's the Lamb of God. And they follow him. Now, does John tell them everything about Jesus? No, because John doesn't know everything about Jesus. He later eventually asks Jesus, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Andrew! Andrew introduces his brother Peter. I want to introduce you to someone. I think he's the Messiah. I think he's the Christ. I think he's the one will come. I, you just, you gotta follow him. Introduces him. Philip introduces Nathaniel. Says, come and see. You gotta come and see who this guy is. Who introduced you to Jesus? Who introduced you? Someone did. Who introduced you? Who invited you? To say, come and follow this guy. There's a few things that I know about him, but I know what he's been doing in my life, and uh, it is unbelievable what I'm learning about him. And how I'm following him. Come and see. Come and see. Who are you introducing? Who are you introducing? Because that's what we're called. We're called to introduce people to Jesus. And we don't introduce people to Jesus by telling everything we know about Jesus to them right away. It's not very helpful. We introduce people by initially saying, just come and see. Come and check them out. Not just once, but spend some time with him and see what happens. Right, we have this, 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 this phrase and this mission, this kind of concept of the 413 at our church, right? 413 is our area code, it's where we live. So it's our mission field of the people that we're supposed to introduce to Jesus. And, and just, in a, just ways we can use that number to be helped remind where we say, Hey, once a month, four times in that month, intentionally live out with people. Just live out with people that are non christian Just live out life with them. Spend some intentional time with them. So they can know you. So you can reveal some things about them, right? And then one time, intentionally invite them to come and see, right? One time, to, hey, what? here's the gospel. Here's a crystal. Here's who Jesus is. I want you to come and see who Jesus is. And then here's the, the three types of invitations we think there are. Come and see who I am. Right? Invite them into relationship with yourself. Right? Because people aren't just gonna naturally, hey, I'm gonna be in relationship with you. You've got to invite people to be in relationship with you. Come and see who Jesus is, right? Invite them into relationship with Jesus. And then come and see who his church is. Come and see who his followers are. Come and see who his bride is. Yes, we introduce people with our words. And we speak truths to them. We speak the gospel to them. But we also introduce people to Jesus through our actions. right? Words and actions. We live out the gospel to them. We live out grace to them. We live out love for them. We live out the person who Jesus is making us to be. The person who has shown us that he is and says, Hey, this is the character in which I am transforming you to be. I mean, Jesus doesn't just live a life that say, hey, this is what you can't do and this is what I can do. No, he lives a life says, this is who I am going to make you to be, a person in my character. You can do what I do. You can love the way I love I mean, he knows it's extraordinarily hard for us. He knows the barriers for you. But he says, I know you can do this with me. We are the people... That are to remain, abide, and stay with him. Right? That's the question they ask. Right? This idiom. Where are you staying? Where, where do you abide? Where do you remain? And really the question is, who are you? Because where you abide, where you stay, and where you remain is who you are. And then this should make notes. I mean, pull out your Bible or open up your Bible on your phone to John 15. I don't have a slide for us because it's too long a passage. John 15. I mean, this is an important theme for John. This, this remaining, staying, uh, abiding theme. And it makes sense. As soon as you see I, I, the passage we just heard here, Jesus says, come and see. This passage makes all the more sense in the response to the question, where are you staying? Where are you abiding? And Jesus says in John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. What's the object here? That there's something that you bear. That there's fruit that in your life that you bear. Not just the thought. Not just ascertaining to certain propositional truth, which are important, but there's actions that live out in your life. It flows out of you. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken, right? You are not clean because of your fruit. You are clean because of the word that God has spoken in your life. He says, abide in me, remain in me, stay with me, and I in you. You want to know where Jesus stays? He stays with you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, right? He's looking, he says this very clearly. You cannot bear fruit by yourself. You need to stay with me. You need to remain with me. You need to know me. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I am him, it is he that bears much fruit. Is it your fruit? It's his fruit. It's his fruit that's through you. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you stay with me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. But this my father, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So prove to be my disciples. As a Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Why is that? Why is it that you will abide in his love if you keep his commandments? What's the summary of the commandments, of all the commandments of God? Love. Love God, love neighbor, right? There's no law that we can make against that. You will abide. If you live out your life in that way and bear the fruit that Jesus bears, you will abide in his commandments and you will bear much fruit. I'm just, the point is, you're going to see action, right? There's action, there's evidence to this. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Just as he's done it, so will we. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This isn't to be a burden upon us, right? I hope you understand that clearly. But this is a joy. If you live out his character, if you live out the way he lived, that is a joy to us, not a burden. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. so that whatever you ask the Father of my name, you may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Now notice, Jesus at the very beginning didn't tell Andrew or John or Peter, you're not choosing to follow me. From their perspective, they're following, like they choose, like hey, we're going to follow this guy. And Jesus at the very end of his life, says listen, you, you know what, here's a little secret, you didn't choose me, choose me, I chose you. I chose you. And is that little hint in the end, right? I saw you under that tree. I knew who you were. They needed to come and follow him to begin to understand him. They didn't understand his words, they needed to see his actions. And then it started to become crystal clear who is Jesus to them? Who is Jesus? Begin to have intimate relationship, and they begin to, to know him. If you want to know who I am, come and see. Come and see. come and live life with me. Be an intimate relationship with me. You will learn who I am, for better or for worse. You will learn that I am broken and a fragile man. You're going to learn that I doubt and I fear. You're going to learn that I don't always love the way Jesus tells me to love. And you're going to learn, hopefully, that I'm willing to repent. That I'm willing to apologize and that I'm willing to own my mistakes. It might take me a while to get there. But if you live life with me, hopefully this is what you'll find. You will learn, hopefully, that I am growing and learning to love and abide in Jesus. Anew each day. If you want to know who CPC is, who this church is, you can go to our website. You can read the essentials of faith and other details. You can listen to a few sermons. But if you want to know who we are, come and see. Come and live life with us for a moment. And not just One time. Just spend time with us in worship, spend time with us in fellowship. I know that's hard now. But come and see who we are as a people. And here's what I tell you you'll find. You will find broken people. You will find hurting people. You will find a community that is trying to and willing to repent and to apologize and to love. And to learn what love is. If you want to know Jesus, come and see. Come and see. Spend time with him. And spend time with his people. Because then you see, God, is, God loves these people? If God, can love, if God can love the people of CPC, surely he can love Anyone? That's how I actually began to follow Jesus, because I learned that fact. That if he was able to love me, man, this God must be a good God. If you want to know Jesus being his word, if you want to communicate to him being his word, take time to learn who he is, take time to learn what he values and, and and how he loves. Be in community with his people. Be in community with us. And you'll begin to learn Jesus as we begin to learn Jesus. Come and abide with us. Remain with us. Live life with us as we remain and abide in him. Let us introduce Jesus who saved sinners like us. Let us introduce to Jesus who, who loves broken people like us. Who loves broken people like you. Who's transforming us More and more to be his loving people. Will you come and see with us? Will you introduce others to yourself, which is a risk? I got it. It's a risk to introduce others to yourself. Will you introduce others to Jesus, which perhaps is a greater risk? Will you introduce others to Jesus' bride, the community? His church, which perhaps is even a greater risk than introducing him to Jesus. Will you abide in Jesus' love? Will you remain with him? Will you stay with him? Will you follow him? Let us pray. Gracious.